The Well is a gospel-centered church located in Boulder, Colorado. We exist to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. For more information about The Well, please visit us online at www.boulderwell.org. I've been, without question, a little too ambitious of everything I've, I've, I want to communicate tonight. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, skip uh, a, hand, a handful of, of things um, uh, in my, ne- my next kind of section on the Holy Spirit and mission. But, I, but there's one thing in particular I've already kind of hinted on, but I want to make sure to, uh, to get lodged into your mind and heart. And, and it's in Genesis 1 where the story of everything starts. So uh, turn uh, to Genesis 1. So uh, this is where we are, we are introduced to the Spirit. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. All right, I'm just going to pause here. Now, this is our first introduction to the Spirit in all the Bible. And we see, um, what does the Spirit do? Question, what do you see the Spirit do? You can respond. What do you see? Just look. Look carefully. What's going on? What's going on? Moving over the face of the water. So there's a, this hovering, moving over the face. So, so there's a, the presence of the Spirit. But then once the presence of the Spirit is there, what happens immediately afterwards? God spoke. Excellent. Uh, there is a connection starting in chapter 1, verse 2 of Genesis between the Spirit of God and the Word of God. We see this throughout uh, all of the prophets of the Old Testament. If we had time, I would just kind of systematically take you through there. But where the Spirit of the God, where Spirit of, the God, of God is, we see it manifest that actually God's Word is coming into fruit into fruition. Um, by the way, your your the scriptures are themselves so the word of God inspired, breathed by God. The word for breathed by God is the same word transliterated from the Hebrew of ruah of the very breath of the Spirit. Okay, so you see, so the the, the connection between the Spirit and the Word of God. What else happens? Read it. Look, look carefully. What happens? Creation. And what is, 
So creation happens, but then how would you describe how that creation came about? What's a word you would use to describe at least how Moses, who's, who's narrating this, how he described it? Fishing for a word. Light? Yes. Uh, and but th- that contrast with what? Dark. And how would you say they relate to each other? Say what? They're opposites? Would you say that there was order? Okay. Order is the word. Man, so I got, I got it right. So, so the world, as it's described, was formless and void. It's this idea of chaos. So, of chaos. God's word is spoken into that chaos, and immediately order springs forth. There's day and there's night. And they even have nail. God said, the day will call the light, and night, darkness. Like, there is order that's brought to chaos. Now, this is another theme and a pattern you see whenever God's spirit is manifest. The God's spirit actually is the pattern creator. We see it in creation. We see it in the, the, throughout all of the Old Testament that God's spirit is a pattern creator. Now, as we transition to the book of Acts, and now we're going to go to the, the New Testament, we're going to see the, the, um, the rise of the early church. We see that there is another aspect of God's spirit that the disciples in the early church had to adjust to that was unexpected for them. Uh, so now turn to Acts chapter 1. And now we're going to see how the Holy Spirit now is at work in the context of a Christian community in particular. And it has, uh, the Holy Spirit has a, a pretty uh, fascinating uh, role to play. So, Acts 1, it's Jesus, and uh, right before his ascension, and uh, start in chapter 6, or sorry, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority, but you will receive power, right, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. All right, pause. Now, would you say that the... um, order of how mission was going to be accomplished was pretty straightforward. So the Spirit's going to come on you, and, and this is how it's going to happen for you. Uh, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where you are right now, in Judea, wider neighborhoods, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And they were like, fantastic. So what we see with the Spirit is that God uses the Spirit in a very 
at the manifestation of God's presence that is itself orderly. And, and there is now this sort of planned expansion, a planned expansion uh, that the disciples are, are totally on board with. Now, um, but there's the second aspect of the Spirit that the disciples would have to figure, the apostles here would have to figure out. And that is when his disciples begin to trust a pattern more than they trust the Spirit of God who made the pattern, get this, the Spirit himself will actually break that pattern. The Spirit will actually break that pattern. So we have the disciples, they're trusting uh, the Lord, and they begin to trust this planned expansion of, of mission. And then, and then some things begin to happen to them that were really unexpected. Well, first of all, they're in uh, chapter 4 and then chapter 5 of Acts, we begin to see significant persecution. And then a couple of chapters later, one of their best and brightest was murdered. And then they all had to begin to flee for their lives. And it's like, well, wait a second. I know this is a planned expansion to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but I thought we were like going to be in charge of how that expansion was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen because we're being murdered. So they began to be like, what's going on here? And then the person who was in charge of the first person being murdered, uh, God then chose that particular person uh, to like lead the charge and be his chosen servant to actually take the gospel to the Gentiles. This guy was uh, a, a murderous uh, individual by the name of Saul of Tarsus. And then, and then God uh, actually saved Saul of Tarsus. We read about this in chapter 9. And now we have this fascinating interaction between Saul of Tarsus and a, just a run-of-the-mill Christian. We see this in, in, uh, in Jesus. So look at chapter 9. So Saul has, has already had this witness, of, uh, this, witnessed Jesus, and, uh, and, and he's kind of, uh, so he's, he's blind. And anyway, he ends up going to Tarsus. Uh, look at verse 10, chapter 9. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, in a vision, a man named Ananias. That's you. He's actually seen you in a vision. So come in, lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord. I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. 
So Ananias departed and he entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. So there is this planned expansion. But now, but now there are these unexpected twists that the Spirit, through God's direction, through the Father's direction, the Spirit now is engineering that throws the disciples off. Why? In order for them to trust in God's Spirit more than they trust in the uh, pattern. Now, it amps up even more. We have Peter and Cornelius in chapter 10. So it keeps going. So it says, Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion that was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God and all his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision the angel of God come and say, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he says, Your prayers, your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging at one Simon, a tanner, very, a lot of Simons here, uh, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, so there's this guy who's a Gentile, not a Christian. God has now intervened directly to him and says, I, I have, uh, there's a special message just for you. So this is like mission, God directly, like God's the chief missionary, by the way, in the book of Acts. God's the chief missionary. Uh, so, so God is, is engineering this. And now here's Peter. Uh, so the person who Jesus said, on this rock, I'm going to build this church. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened up and something like a great sheet descending, being laid down, by its four corners upon the earth, and it, uh, in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Uh, which, by the way, the things that are mentioned here are actually mentioned in the Old Testament that's improper for a, a Jew to eat. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And that voice, by the way, is Jesus. And notice... Notice Peter's immediate response. But Peter said, By no means, Lord. For I've never eaten anything that is uncommon or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. All right. So here's Peter. Now, Something remarkable has happened to him. For his entire life, he is connected with God 
through the Old Testament as a devout Jew, uh, keeping kosher was an important part of connecting with God. It's stuff that was actually in the Old Testament. Now he has this, he follows Jesus, has experience with Jesus, and now he knows, okay, that the spirit is, is now moving now to, to uh, not just Jews anymore, but he's having a hard time with that. And now Peter is faced with a significant problem. In order for me to experience the Spirit, and for that Spirit to actually be experienced by others, I am going to have to trust God in a way that I've never had to trust Him I'm going to have to trust him that me and others can experience God in a way that's different, that is no longer kosher. Now, to you and me, maybe that's weird, or maybe that's not, as, that's not a, a thing, but to Peter, it was a thing. And this illustrates this aspect of God's spirit, which is he creates patterns that are good. He creates order out of chaos, which is good. But then when we begin to trust and lean into the pattern and no longer begin to trust the spirit who actually made that pattern, God will inevitably break that pattern for us, which will lead us into a time of crisis. We will wonder, where is God? And God saying, I'm out ahead of this. Thank you for listening to The Well Podcast. For resources and information on how you can support our mission to proclaim the gospel and make disciples, please visit us online at www.boulderwell.org.